Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, okay, it's Monday night. Let me see if I can do the part. I'm trying to roll everything as much as I can out today. Um, which is being, this is Lechlecha, of course, and uh, this is being sponsored by Shuchman's, by Itan Ariel and, and company. Uh, because this week is the yard side of the Shabbos, I guess, is the yard side of Jake Shuchman, uh, who I've spoken about before, and was uh, not just a very good friend of mine, a friend of a lot of people, and was uh, one of the most highly regarded persons in Baltimore, Maryland, their father. Um, he was a real prince of a person. And uh, it's in his uh, in memory that we're the, the family sponsoring the podcast. They're, they're having, for those of you in Baltimore, you come Shabbos in my show, we're having a big kiddish uh, by way of a yard site. And um, I remember we, uh, you know, I did a husband. It's probably online somewhere if you want to hear it. And that's what it is. So thank you very much. They're doing the um, the Parsha and the Haftorah this week. Um, and Jake also was a listener of the of the uh, podcast, among other things. We're very good friends. Now, um, we have Lech Lecha. Everybody's heard everything about Lech Lecha, but not, maybe not totally. Um, I'll tell you where I'm coming from. I just opened the Parsha today, doing Stein, Micker, and so forth. And, you know, it just struck me. This funny Lushan in the part of Avram. The story of Abraham and Sarah is a very well-known story, but I'm not sure if people reflect on it. Because Avram doesn't seem to have been very good without her. He had Yitzhak, I get that. But then when she died, he had other children, and they didn't turn out to be anything. Which, if you think about it, is quite remarkable, because your father is Avram Avinu? I mean, still so far. I don't care if your mother's Keturah. But your father's Avram Avinu? You know, think of the... I can talk it real from, you know, think of the Katusha and the Tahira and the example he said, and you see the Shechina and so forth and so on. I'm Avino. Garnished. It didn't matter. They all went off their own way. You see, a truism, which is it takes, you know, it's got to be husband or what the wife is, the one who has the biggest hash upon the children. Is this interesting? Even I'm Avino, the greatest of all Makarov people, wasn't any good, at least with his own kids, without Sarah. Which is maybe explains why we have this whole parsha at the beginning. Of uh, t- I mean, think about that. By the way, it's also true. It's interesting, just to me, that Sarah is described as being very beautiful, and all the emos were uh, beauty uh, pageant winners. You know, uh, it's it's almost not fair. You know, in other words, how come all the others all the emos, how come everybody in the Bible is tall, dark, and handsome, or beautiful? I mean, we're not all tall, dark, handsome, beautiful. Uh, I'm not. Uh, now, you know what I'm saying. You know, look, why, why is it that way? Um, could be. I, I mentioned this on Shabbos. Could be, for the following uh, reason. Maybe it just occurred to me. I'm sharing what what occurred to me. Uh, and that is, we all know you got Noah and you got Avram. Everybody out there is a Noah or an Abraham. Most people are Noahs. The Avrams are the ones that go out 
and try to make people and convert people. They want to be a shliach. They want to be an NCSY leader. They want to be a Kira professional and so forth and so on. They're out to change the world. Most people just know, I just want to hold on to my own boat. I don't want my kids and myself and my family being swept up in a flood. It could be a flood of water. It could be a flood of a culture. You understand? To be a religious Jew requires you have to build a, a boat, an ark. Okay? And, as I mentioned on Shabbos, unlike the flood at the time of Noah, when you could look out the window and see that it was taka flood and a horbin and a destruction, nobody wanted to jump out of the ark and join the hot water outside. Today, when you build an ark outside, the, the, the flood looks attractive. Right? The flood of modern culture is very attractive. So people often want to jump, and do, jump out of the ark into the uh, into the flood. Happens all the time. That's like one of the large parts of Jewish history in the last 200 years or so. This is interesting. Now, uh, Noah is, is, is working on his own family. The Abrams out there are your charismatic types. There aren't many. They can make a whole nation. It's a nevish to make a whole big following because of the charisma. Do you know what we've noticed in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years? In my lifetime, and it probably was always there. It's a dangerous to be a charismatic leader of any group, and particularly of a religious group, because they always end up in scandals. Did you notice that? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of that going on. The Shlomo Karlbach type of business. You know? And the reason is because you got the charisma, you got all these teens and whatever guys and girls and so forth, you know, hanging on your every word. The HR can very easily say like this, you know, make use of what you got. You know, enjoy the landscape. And sadly, sadly, we find that it happens. So how do you become an Avram and not be tempted to misuse your charisma uh, in the wrong way? On guys or girls or things like that. After all, we all knew Avram was, it became anyway over the course of time, a real pro at this, as Chazal described. He had a tent, it was free food, four, four, four doors in a tent. You know, you come in, I mean, he had it down to a science. <laughs> you get it? It's the original Chabad, he had it down to a science. And he had a big meal, and then afterwards he said, let's pinch a little bit. You know, in other words, it, we, it was the soft cell and not the hard cell. And it, it's just interesting. But if you say, well, but if he's married to Sorrow, you're not interested in anybody else. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. He was married to the number one beauty in the world, not only physical, but, you know, the most remarkable woman at the time. So all these other things are garnished. Maybe that's why Hashem arranges in this way. I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting. Because Avram, as far as we know, it's a nefesh, also Bukharni never abused his position. If you noticed, Abraham was monogamous until he was an old man, when his wife told him that he should go and take in one of the shifchas named Hagar. Till then, he never touched anybody. That's what it's mashma. He didn't have any children. He says to God, Why didn't he have any kids by the, you know, by the, the concubines and the, and the, and the, the female servants? That's what they do in the Middle East. That's what all the rich and powerful people do all the time. Not Avram. It's just interesting. Not Avram. He was a one-woman guy until circumstances turned it into the Augur situation, as we know in the Swiss Parsha. So it's just very interesting to focus on the Avram and Sar relationship uh, in all of its various aspects. The weirdest part, of course, comes in the beginning when he runs away to Egypt, and he says, Imri no 
tell him you're my sister. Which is strange. He said, I'll make some money out of this, and I'll live also. Uh, so they'll do well to me because of you, since they'll think I'm your brother. So they want to kiss up to me for various reasons to get to you. Therefore, all of a sudden, I'll have a lot of friends. Everybody will offer me presents. Isn't that what Rashi says when I'm in front of me? Rashi says, they'll give me my tonus. Uh, and also, by the way, they won't kill me. Uh, now there is, by the way, sounds mystical. Why don't you simply say, I will live through you? But yeah, there's an archive on that, but I don't want to go into that right now. Uh, anyhow, so what's going on over here? And as, as I think many know, the Ramban blasts uh, Abraham uh, for lack of betochen, and this has caused the Gulf Mitzrayim, in his opinion, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, that's a famous, very controversial Ramban. Now, but you hear it before, I mean, Ramban, who is, you don't need me to tell you who it's from, he's saying, I, I, I see what I see. But I'm going to put a different spin on it, suggest a different spin. In order to understand that, we have to go back to the oldest commentary in the Bible. Uh, or almost the oldest commentary in the Bible. <clears throat> it's not the Gemara. <clears throat> it's not all that. What was written before that? The answer is the history book of Flavius Josephus, uh, who wrote his famous history to Jews eh, 20 years or so after the Chorim Beis and Migs, around the year 90 of Erech. Uh, before the year 100. We're now in the year 2022. So this is around the year 100, long ago. Now, I know Josephus wasn't totally from, and this and that. And the other. That's a, I don't know if that's true or not. It's, that's a very complicated question. I'm not going to go into that right now. I did a talk on that. And it's, I think it's online when I did years ago a series of lectures at Shomer Moon on the seven uh, Jewish historians. But nevertheless, here you have somebody who was a Kohen in the base of Migdash, who was not exactly a Tzaduki, whatever Halevi wants to say. It's not true. And he's writing for a Gaish audience, and that is true. But he's writing as a proud Jew in the way that he sees it, in the way that he thinks will appeal to an educated Greek and Roman audience. About 20 years after the Chorn base of Migdash, when, may I say, it wasn't clear that the Romans would not let him rebuild the base of Migdash. It wasn't, things were not so clear at that time. Maybe the Romans will let them rebuild the base of Migdash. And he's trying to present in his book, The Antiquities of the Jews, the history of the Jewish people from Bereshit's world, Kimbeth Hashemayi Vesaretz. And, and if you read his book called The Antiquities of the Jews, much of it is a rephrasing, a paraphrase of the Bible, of the Tanakh, Tarnavim Ksubim. It's very interesting in that regard. And I'll say what I said again. He wrote this when Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Kiv were operating in Yavda during the you know beginnings of the Mishnah. So he was writing there, and you never know, is he shooting the bull? Sometimes he is, but it's also true that he's also, it's clear to many, that he's also presenting old misovers. I don't know more than that, nobody does. Used to be in YU Professor Feldman, if anybody remembers him. Uh, he was the world's expert in all this stuff that I'm talking about. But even if you take the trouble to open up a copy of Josephus, even the old-fashioned William Wister one that I have in front of me at this moment, you'll see that uh, take your prejudices aside and just go by what it says in the Chumash and nothing else, and then read Josephus. It comes out very interesting because it says by Hero Bards, 
Right, so Avram goes because of the famine to Egypt. Why Egypt? So you say like this, because they have food there. Now, if I think, if I remember correctly, it doesn't say that in the Chumash. Right? Now, I just want to be clear about this. Unlike in the time of Yaakov and Joseph and the brothers, it says, yes, Shevrim and Mitzrayim. Um, I'm pulling out a Chumash over here. And it simply says, so I'm trying to, this, it's an interesting way to read the, 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 the Tanakh. The Chumash. There's all kinds of ways of reading it. And let's see over here. Um, so it was a bad famine in the land of Canaan. And he went to Egypt. do not say in Egypt they had food. I mean, certainly he's a Mashman that way. But do not say in Egypt they had food. But it does say that um, the Kavit of Arts. That there was a big famine in Canaan. Okay, fine. Uh, and I'm not getting into this year as I have in the past, as this album's first trip to Israel, the second trip to Israel, you know, it's age of 70, 75. That's for earlier times. I'm talking about tonight. Now, I open up my rusty, trusty Josephus, and I see at the very beginning of the book in chapter 80 says that there was a famine in, in Canaan, and Abraham went to Egypt and then came back. And this is how Josephus describes it. After After this, when a famine invaded the land of Canaan, Avram discovered the Egyptians were a flourishing condition, so he heard that there is food in Egypt. He was disposed to go down to them to partake of the plenty they enjoyed, in other words, to eat to eat food, because he didn't have any, and to know, and to become an auditor of their priests, and to know what they said concerning the gods. Now, that's really interesting. Don't say that in the Chumash. Does not say it. Sears Avram when it's Lech Lecha, and he comes to um, Canaan and all that stuff. But he continues on, as we know, because of the famine into Egypt. And it's not entirely according to this Josephus. Like Ramban says, just the Vortin lack of Etochen. But it's also true that Avram seems to have had a hankering from long before to go to Egypt because that was the Ikermuk of intellectuality at that time or one of the Ikermuk of intellectuality. Avram came from more or less the region of Babylonia, Mesopotamia, or Kazdim, which was a center of culture we know from history, from archaeology, in his time. Avram did not come from a hick farm. Now, he could have. It's this interesting. The founder of the Jewish people and the first of the great monotheists and the number one missionary for monotheism was born, like we would say today, in Manhattan. You know I mean? No, it's in a big city. Uh, Orkasim was a big, you know, a sophisticated city for that time. Many have heard of the Code of Hammurabi, who was before Abraham. And you had, you know, written records and writings and, and roads and taxes and history books and, you know, all kind of stuff like that. Alongside a lot of idols, no question about it. And so Avon grew up in what we would call today a pretty sophisticated environment. Uh, he knew that Bovell in that area, Sumeria, Acadia, where he lived, was a pretty sophisticated environment, but he also knew it's not the only one. Now, did Avram know about China and India, all the rest of it? Verves, possibly yes, possibly no. Because um, where he lived in Iraq is not that far away from India, let's put it that way. If you look at the map, you'll see what I mean. I could be right, I could be wrong, I don't know. You know. I'll say it again, Avram did not live so far away, especially by boat. From India, and India is where they had a lot of the ancient sciences. 
But another place is Mitzrayim, as we know. And they go back in all the Chachmas as well. Now here's a guy like Avram trying to work, either trying to work at his own idea of what God is, or maybe trying to perfect, as Chazal sometimes portray it, his missionary skills by becoming a Bucky in the Masechta of Avodazara. The Chazal say that he had a Masechta of Avodazara. They don't mean like we have the Gemara today, but that Avram was a Bucky in all the different religions, therefore he could upslug them all. So most people aren't like this. You know, you know, the average person out there, I wouldn't recommend, go study all the world's religions and then try to work and spend your next 50, 60 years trying to prove to yourself that Judaism is superior to them. You'll never finish uh, Daf Yomi, you know what I mean? Uh, life is too short. Uh, a person doesn't have to go around saying, i got to find it all the others and see why they're wrong. Like I say again, if you had 10,000 years of life, maybe, but you only have a small period of life. And so you got to, you know, Chaparine in your own Jewish stuff while you can, for most people, for most people. And that's how they operate. But Avram was different. His own Metzius, as you know, was to try to be a con- uh, to convert people to his way of seeing things and that all the idols and everything else is just wrong. And it's not simply a matter of believing in one god or two gods or an invisible god versus a physical statue. But if you say there are multiple gods, then you're saying the world was always there. And that leads to a whole set of conse- philosophical consequences. If you say there is this one God and he created the world from nothing, that leads to a separate set of consequences. So Avram was, among other things, because he was a business, a successful businessman too, Avram was, what we would t- say today, a kind of a philosopher and theologian interested in these kind of questions, which obviously played a key role in his success or lack of success in Kiruv. Because if he would come across somebody from this type of religion, he had to be able to talk to him, Makarov in a way that would appeal to somebody from that religion and from someone else from another culture, that other culture. Anybody in Lababish will probably tell you if you're in Africa, you operate one way. If you're in Nepal, you operate another way. If you're in Brooklyn or in Chicago, you operate a third way. That just makes sense. So Avram, according to this, might have said as follows um, Hashem told me, go Lechlecha. And I came to the land of Canaan. But then I see there's a famine. And unlike the Ramban, it's not, oh no, I'm freaking out, there's a famine. If you're a believer, then you figure like this, God is sending me a message that I should go down to Egypt. Why would God send me a message? Because there's no food in Canaan. Why would God do that? He just told me to come here. And once I'm here, kicking me out, go to Mitzrayim. Shema know that Hashem wants me to pick up some information in Egypt that I can't get over here in Canaan. Uh... And maybe it'll be of use to me in my future efforts as a missionary for monotheism. And that is, it seems to me, the way Josephus, maybe I put a little bit of a two from a spin on it, but basically the way Josephus is telling the story because he says that Abraham wanted to go down to partake of the food, but he also wanted to become an auditor of their priests, meaning he wanted to attend lectures in Shurim in Avodah of Mitzrayim and to know what they said concerning the gods designing either to follow them if he had better notions than he, or to convert them into a better way if his own notions proved the truest. That's really remarkable. He's saying, Josephus is, that even at this point, after Hashem said, and all the rest of it, Avram was not 100% sure. Um, He heard that Egypt is a very powerful religious set of ideas, very compelling, and he went there as like a Nisayan. And if what the Egyptians 
say makes more sense than a flip over Egyptianism. And if not, then he'll be Makar of them. So that is a guy with guts. Okay? That's a guy with guts. You go into enemy headquarters, you know, to, 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 to triumph or perish, as it were. Which is just an interesting way. I repeat, I'm reading you something that was written 2,000 years ago. Now, seeing uh, seeing that he was to take sorry with him and he was afraid the madness of the Egyptians in regard to women, lest the king kill him on the occasion, he contrived a device to pre- pretend to be the brother. Okay, fine. Now listen to this. As soon as he came to Egypt, it happened to Abraham, as he supposed. His wife was taken away and so on and so forth. And Pharaoh was going to put his hands in her to enjoy her. And But God put a stop to these unjust impl- in- inclinations by sending him a sickness, a distemper. And it's addition against his government, too. So Josephus says that all of a sudden, Pyro noticed ever since this girl, even though she is a knockout, ever since this girl entered the palace, first of all, I'm sick. And second of all, revolution and rebellion has broken out in Egypt and the provinces. And he couldn't hop what's going on. Right? And when he inquired of the priests how he might be free from these calamities, they told him that his miserable condition was derived from the wrath of God on account of his inclination to abuse the stranger's wife. That's really interesting. More or less, if the, if this is true, they more or less said, listen, you're you're violating, uh, you know, what's the right word? Natural law. Shem Noah. Can't just take a woman's tomazar like that. Now, I don't know what Josephus has in mind, because he lived in his time. The women were just objects. And the rich and powerful kings could take whatever they wanted. Egypt, they've been doing that forever. I'm not sure how he understands this. He then, out of fear, Pharaoh asked sorry who she was and who it was that brought that that's brought with her. And then he found out that it was Avram and he excused himself to Avram saying he thought it was his sister and not his wife. Okay? Um, and he says he, he, he had set his affections on her desiring an affinity with him by marrying her not incited by lust to abuse her. So basically... According to this version of Josephus, Paro says to Avram, not simply, why did you lie to me? But rather, he was saying, I didn't want to steal her. I wanted to marry her Dafka because she's your sister. You see? I see you're such a hush of a guy and a classy individual that I figured I would marry his sister, become your brother-in-law, and have shaykhs with you. Now, maybe that was a bunch of bull, maybe not. But, he, you know, that's how he presents it over here. You see? Um, now, wait a minute. Which would explain why God didn't punish him. He also gave him a large present of money. And he gave him permission to enter in conversation with the most learned among the Egyptians. From which conversation, his rep- virtue and reputation became more conspicuous than they had been before. So, that's Laman Yitavli Babarich. I want that they should be good to me and allow me into the highest intellectual circles in Egypt so I can hear the way they understand the world in terms of religion, in terms of science and all the rest of it. And I'll test my own theories on them and I'll enter into conversation with them and we'll see, you know, will that help me in my amuna or refine some of my ideas or vice versa, will I be much be on them? And according to this, the um, visit of Avram in Egypt was an event of world cultural uh, significance. I'm going to repeat what I said before. I'm reading you something that was written 2,000 years ago. For whereas the Egyptians were formerly addicted to different customs 
and despised one another's sacred and custom rituals and were very angry with one another on that account. So the Egyptians had a lot of different ideas and quarreled among themselves because they had different gods. Avram conferred with each of them and confuting the reasons they made use of, every one of their own practices demonstrated that such reasonings were vain and void of truth. So according to this, Avram came to Egypt and basically, um, you know, slugged up all the Egyptian ideas. And even if it, Egypt didn't, um, even if Egypt did not change, which, I don't, you know, we can never tell, uh, but it must have left a big Rosham, which has to somehow or other color our understanding of the story later on when the Jewish people end up in Mitzrayim. They have to know that these people descended from Abraham, and Abraham was a guy who came here 100, 200 years ago and made a big impression. Um, whereupon he was very admired by them in those conferences, as he was a very wise man and one of great sagacity when he discoursed on any subject he undertook, and this not only understanding it, but in persuading other men to agree to him. And he communicated to them arithmetic and delivered to them the science of astronomy. So I'll say it again. According to, now I don't know where Josephus gets this from, but according to this, the visit of Avram to Egypt was a major landmark in the development of Egyptian civilization in its higher and better elements. It just comes to my mind now, you know, when Admiral Perry went to Japan or something like that and introduced modernity or something like that. Uh, you know, Avram brought in all these uh, new and interesting ideas and left a positive impression even if they didn't necessarily follow his religion. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. For before Abraham came to Egypt, they were unacquainted with these parts of learning. For that science had come from the Chaldeans into Egypt and then to the Greeks. So he's giving you a history as he understands of arithmetic and, uh, and uh, other parts of mathematics. Um, so you see that to Josephus and the Jews of his time, or at least the groups that he hung around with, when Avram went to Mitzrayim, after the misunderstanding was cleared up with his sister, it wasn't simply that Paro said, hit the road and take some money and get out of here. You know, I mean, I I, I understand that, you know. Uh, he says, And it says, Which gives the impression that they kicked him out right then and there. You uh, bull artist, you didn't tell me it was your sister, you almost got me killed, I almost got leprosy because of you, etc., etc. It wasn't like that, but rather... Paro sent him away very honorably, and not only did he give him a lot of presents, but Paro gave him, like we would say today, a letter of introduction to all the universities and uh, highest institutions of intellectuality that Egypt had at that time, so that Avram would then uh, become acquainted with they, who they were and vice versa. And it sounds like each one um, left a Rosham. And but could this be the reason, you know, that the Jews ended up in Egypt hundreds of years later? There's a lot of different opinions in Chazal, of course. But uh, I would, you know, regard it somewhat along the lines of, you know, getting a secular education, so to speak, as it were. The album is exposed to Egyptian ideas, which he obviously incorporated in his worldview of Judaism. I don't say he, he admitted Egyptian ideas into them, but from now on, if Avram ever meets somebody who doesn't believe in one God and he gives you, you know, the following arguments or whatever, because 
uh, based on his beliefs, Avram Kuzay goes, oh, I know, I, I was in Egypt, I talked to those guys over there, and I pointed out to them this, that, and the other, and they were takamoted to me. They said, you're right. So, he would be able to be even more successful in the cure than he had been before. Does this mean that a person should go and put himself into a monk of Sakana, you know, you know, go, go take classes in Hilchah's atheism, so now should we go with the upshot called the atheism? No, you shouldn't. But the superior one should. Get what I'm saying? The Abrahams should. You know, this one, this one for everybody, but it's for somebody like Avram who's going to go out there. Uh, yeah, for him, yes. So it comes out that when he says, I want you to say you're my sister, so that they'll do good to me, it's not like the Rashi and the Ghazal say that they'll give me money, but they'll give me access into their intellectual treasures, and I'll be able to expand my horizons and become a more effective missionary for Judaism than there was before. I think, seems to me, that that's what you get out of reading Josephus, which, as I said, um, is older, at least in time, than what you find, you know, in, in the Chazal, because that's written later. Uh, and uh, it's, it's very uh, unusual. Now, maybe Josephus is full baloney. It's possible, of course. And he could just be, you know, shooting the bull. Uh, he, that's happened. Uh, it, it, there's truth to that. But on the other hand, sometimes he's not. I would say more often he's not than, than, than he is, contrary to what a lot of people uh, imagine. So uh, anyway, I'm just throwing it out there. Once, once again, I don't want to go too long. I want to thank Aitan, uh, Ariel, and, uh, and Moshe and all the rest of the Shokmans for um, sponsoring this uh, podcast this week and the next one coming. And as I don't have to tell them that we all miss Jake Shokman. Uh, those people that you, you knew him, and I think many people didn't know him so well, but they've heard a lot of things about him. Actually, it's one of the rare cases that what you hear is actually true. <laughs> okay, with that, I wish you a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.